1: And enjoy the show <laughs> Good evening I'm storyteller Otis gyre and I ain't your grandfather. From where I'm from, we don't do bedtime stories. And if that's what you were expecting, you're in the wrong place. If it's terrifying tales you're after, well then, I've got just the thing. Get comfortable, settle in, turn off the lights, if you dare... Your night is about to get a whole lot darker. <laughs> Who needs sleep anyway? <laughs> Good evening, you're listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 16. I'm your host, Otis Gyre. In tonight's episode, I'll be performing four stories for you about inexplicable illness, vanishing acts, paranormal pastures, and dark diaries. You're listening to the standard edition of tonight's program. If you'd like to show your support and enjoy an extended version of this and other episodes with twice the terror, visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to sign up today. Thank you for your support. Now it's time to get started, so lock your doors, turn your lights down low, and settle in. The show's about to begin. (laughs) Our first tale of terror this evening comes to us courtesy of author Craig Groshek. Without further ado, I present to you The Sick Chair. In a sparsely populated German settlement, the Becker family earned their living raising and slaughtering cattle. At the time, those who called the hilly oak and maple-dotted valley home found quality meat hard to come by. But Marcus Becker and his wife, Lena, along with their three sons, Lucas, Stefan, and Robert, never disappointed their customers. Year after year, their fertile rolling hills produced the largest cattle for miles around. Their delicious beef was the talk of the town each week following the Sunday farmers' markets. The Beckers had been self-sufficient since Marcus first set a plow to his many acres. One September evening in the late 1950s, however, all of that changed. That night, the autumn air seemed thicker and cooler than usual. As the Becker children finished tending their cattle in the fields, an unseasonably cold breeze drifted over the red and yellow foliage that bordered their vast pastures. A fog rolled in with it that made the boys shudder. They instinctively crossed and rubbed their arms. The sudden drop in temperature made the cattle restless as well, so the children attempted to calm them. Moments later, Lucas, the oldest of the Becker boys, "'expectedly, put a fan to his forehead and fell to his knees. "'Oh!' Lucas groaned, rubbing his eyes. "'I've got the most terrible headache. Just now!' "'Oh, come on, Lucas!' Stefan chided him. "'We cannot finish our work without you. Now get to it!' Lucas groaned again. He stumbled back to his feet and set himself to settling the cattle. He'd just begun to warm a a few of the cattle when severe nausea overtook him he felt his surroundings spin and fell prostrate to the ground all right that's enough stephen said he pulled his older brother to his feet with a jerk and shook him thusly what's the matter with you lucas lucas head rolled listlessly from side to side his eyes rolled back as one long dead "'Concerned, Robert stepped over and raised his older brother's face to his own. "'Speak to me, Lucas,' Robert said. "'What's come over you?' "'Another gust of unpleasantly cold air swept over the trees and through the valley. "'Stefan and Robert trembled. "'At that time, Lucas's senses returned momentarily, and he looked Robert in the eye. "'Then suddenly he fell into convulsions. "'The two younger brothers were terrified.' They had not the slightest idea what to do. "'Stefan!' Robert shouted. "'Do something!' The youngest boy prayed for relief. He could not bear the sight of his older brother in such a condition. Thinking quickly, Stefan lifted Lucas into their hay wagon. He and Robert got aboard and spurred their horses home. They thought if they rode quickly, there may be time enough to call for a doctor.' Or maybe Father will know what to do, Stefan imagined. Maybe he's seen this before. Robert prayed and prayed. By the time they had reached their quaint red brick farmhouse, the sun had set, and Lucas was pale. The oldest boy was no longer having convulsions, but his condition had not improved. He felt cold to the touch. Beads of unnaturally frigid sweat ran from his brow to his lips before settling on his chattering teeth. Swiftly, Stephen and Robert ran to fetch their father. As swiftly as possible, they told him their tale. In a moment, Marcus and Lena were at Lucas' side. "'My lord!' Marcus cried when he saw the extent of his firstborn son's condition. "'There's no time to fetch a doctor. Get him to bed this instant. To bed! To bed!' Lucas and his family shared very tight living quarters, his mother and father shared a bed against the far wall of their diminutive bedroom. The children occupied a three-level bunk bed to its right. The oldest son, as was tradition in the family, occupied the uppermost bunk. This, of course, was Lucas. Some day, when he married and set out on his own, Lucas would give up his bunk to Stefan. But tonight, since it was the easiest to reach, Lena tucked Lucas into Robert's bed instead. "'Robert, of course, was not pleased. "'What if I catch what Lucas has?' Robert cried. "'This is no time to be selfish, boy,' his father replied. "'I'll fetch us some cool water to help your brother's fever.' "'Robert was troubled, but always did what his father asked. "'So off he went. "'Stefan!' Marcus cried. "'He pointed to an old, yellowing chair in the far corner of the bedroom. "'Bring me that chair so I might sit beside your brother.' "'Then go to bed. There's nothing you can do now.' "'Stefan nodded and returned with the chair in hand. "'Setting it beside the bottom bunk, "'Marcus took a seat and held his son's hand. "'As the night wore on, Marcus and Lena took their turn "'in the decrepit old chair beside their ailing son. "'With each hour, Lucas's temperature rose, his convulsions, "'came on stronger than before. "'Then he began to complain of intense stomach pains.' Marcus and Lena held him and prayed. They wet his towel and changed his pillows. Nothing helped. Robert and Stephen, meanwhile, lay awake in the upper two bunks. They stared wide-eyed and clenched their teeth as Lucas cried and shrieked in agony. Lucas died just before dawn. By mid-morning, Marcus and his sons finished his burial. Marcus then insisted that no one speak of the previous night again. "'and get on with their work.' "'Stefan and Robert were still mourning "'when they went out to bring the cows back from the pasture that evening. "'That night, the air again seemed unusually cool and thick as before. "'Almost at the moment the sun sank down over the distant hills. "'A chill gust swept into the valley. "'The cows again grew restless.' They swished their tails as if doing so might fend off the sudden cold. Stephan and Robert clutched their arms and shivered. The work that night had been hard enough without their brother, Lucas, and the wind had not made it any easier. Yet as they finished reining in the last of the cattle, they were comforted in knowing that they would soon be warm in their beds. As the boys finished loading their supplies into their wagon, however, Stephan collapsed. Within moments, he began shaking wildly. Robert staggered back in shock. Stefan! He screamed. Answer me! Stefan struggled to breathe. He appeared to be choking. Robert put a hand to his brother's head. Stefan was burning up. Stefan! He screamed again. No answer, just gasping, ragged breaths. Then their eyes met. Robert saw a look of utter confusion and horror on Stefan's face. Robert shook his head and sobbed. Stefan! He said again. Please answer me. Stefan slowly raised his gaze to meet Robert's eyes. Then, as a breeze puts out a match, Stefan was gone. Robert was incredulous. The entire incident took place in less than two minutes. Robert! watched as Stefan's body relaxed and his expressions softened. His older brother's unseeing eyes stared widely to the sky. His hands remained around his throat. Robert looked up from the corpse and screamed. When Robert finally returned to the farmhouse with Stefan's body, the hour was late. He found his parents outside anxiously awaiting their return. At first, Marcus and Lena were thrilled to see their sons return, Then they noticed Robert was alone. As he approached, they saw his tear-streaked face and a sheet-wrapped corpse in the rear of the wagon. Their hearts sank. For a moment, Lena thoughtfully put her hand to her mouth and she burst into tears. The next morning, the remaining three members of the Becker family buried Stefan beside his brother, Robert pitched a final shovelful of soil onto Stefan's grave and looked to Marcus. "'Father?' he asked. "'What is happening to us? How will the farm survive?' There was a moment of awkward silence. "'We will do the best we can,' Marcus said. "'Tonight I will help rein in the cattle. Perhaps tomorrow we will hire some help.' True, to his word, that night... Marcus rode out to the pastures with his remaining son and helped corral the cattle. The work was arduous, but father and son finished before dusk. They rode home and stabled the horses, but something was amiss. Lena did not beat them at the door. She's fixing supper, no doubt, Marcus thought. The two stepped inside and found the house silent. There was no dinner cooking. Robert and Marcus did not see Lena anywhere. Robert was concerned. Mother! he shouted. For a moment there was no reply. Then someone called from the bedroom. Robert! It called slowly. Marcus! Robert shivered. Mother! he shouted again. Again the voice called. Robert! it moaned. Marcus Robert thought it sounded like his mother but the way it said their names scared him something was wrong he knew it Robert and Marcus darted to the bedroom on their way the voice called again Robert it cried drawing out their names Marcus when they arrived in the bedroom Robert and Marcus did not see anyone at first Then they noticed a pale, limp arm protruding from under the covers in the bottom bunk. As they approached, it quivered. "'Mother?' Robert asked. "'Is that you?' There was no reply. Slowly Marcus pulled back the covers, and both father and son cried out. It was indeed Lena under the covers, but she looked nothing like when they had left. The woman before them was skeletal and pale. Sweat matted her hair. Her eyes were dark and sunken. Marcus put a hand to his wife's forehead and pulled it back immediately. The skin was so hot it threatened to burn him. He looked down at her. As she gasped to breathe, she held out a crucifix necklace. They immediately recognized it as Stefan's. Mother, where did you get this? Robert asked. From the bed, she rasped. I lay here to pray for him. She coughed into her hand. When she pulled it back, she found it coated in blood. Then she too, like her sons before her, went into convulsions. Marcus clutched her hands and wept. My wife! My wife! he cried. All night long, Marcus and Robert sat up, taking turns in their dilapidated, rusty chair beside the bottom bunk. They brought Lena food and water, raised her feet and fanned her, but she would not drink and could not eat. With each hour, Robert and Marcus watched her health deteriorate. They heard her moan and gasp for air, heard her gurgle and choke as she struggled to swallow. The whole time they sat in the yellowing chair listening helplessly to the horrid, horrid sounds. Then, in the early morning hours, Lena died as her sons did before her. Marcus refused to speak from that moment on. After he and Robert buried Lena, he lay in bed for days, gripping one of his wife's dresses and muttering nonsense. On many occasions, Robert pleaded with his father to rise and help with the cattle, "'Marcus ignored him. "'We should burn their clothing and sheets,' Robert begged his father. "'What if we become sick from touching their things?' "'Marcus ignored him. "'In a matter of days, the work on the farm became too much for Robert to handle. "'He was not as strong as Lucas or as clever as Stefan. "'He could not cook like his mother or bridle horses like his father. "'So Robert asked his father for some money.' so that he could ride to town to hire some help. Marcus ignored him. He just lay still, clenching Lena's green sundress in his fists, mumbling and gibbering. The next morning, Robert, concerned for his father, set out to town on his own. While there, he purchased supplies and sought a doctor. He found one man willing to ride the twenty miles to the farm that evening to examine Marcus. The doctor also told Robert he was fit and healthy, news he was glad to hear. He thanked the man for his help, tipped his hat, and rode back to the farm. Robert prepared supper the best he could and offered some to his father. As usual, Marcus ignored him. So Robert bathed and ate alone. When he was finished eating, he returned to the bedroom and sat on the old chair again. He implored his father to speak to him. ''The doctor is coming, father,'' he said. ''Everything's going to be all right.'' Hours passed. In that time, Robert managed somehow to fall asleep, uncomfortable as the chair was. Later that night, just after dark, the doctor arrived. He was later than expected on account of his getting lost on the way. The ride to the farm was long, and as darkness set in, he could not tell one fork in the road from another. But he was there now, and that was all that mattered. The doctor strode to the front door of the farmhouse and knocked. There was no answer. Peeking through a window, he could see an oil lamp aglow in the back of the home. He knocked a second time. Again, no one answered. He tried the door. Finding it unlocked, he opened it and stepped inside. "'Is anyone home?' he called. The voice echoed in the empty kitchen. Silence. He slowly made his way back to the bedroom. As he went, he felt a mounting sense of dread. The oil lamp in the bedroom, visible from the hall, flickered suddenly as if from a gust of wind. He took another step. The lamp flickered again, and its flame went out. In a moment, the doctor could not see a thing. In fact, he did not see the bunk beds even as he walked into them. And the impact startled him. Then he felt something brush his leg, something cold and clammy. He stumbled back. Nervously, he clutched the pocket of his overcoat and reached within. Finding a pipe and a light, he struck a match. A large man was sprawled across the bed, on his back, clutching a green sundress. His hair was wild, his mouth was agape and contorted, as if he screamed while he died. The doctor stumbled back and bumped again into something else, also dreadfully cold. He turned around and screamed. Seated in the rusty yellow chair beside the bed was a young man. His body arched over the back of the chair as if in agony. His mouth was wide open. On the floor, beside his left arm, which hung lifelessly at his side, was a crucifix necklace. The doctor trembled with fear. Then suddenly he felt a chill in the room. His pipe flickered as if from a gust of wind. He took a step back. The pipe flickered again, and it went out.
0: Our second story today
1: comes to us from author Tamiris Lupi. I present to you, I Know Why My Childhood Friend Disappeared. When I was seven, my best friend was a girl named Ava, who was my neighbor. Ava was a sweet kid. I didn't realize it at the time, but her home life was pure hell. We would always hear her father screaming and breaking stuff. I was too young to understand stuff included Ava and her mom. My parents did what they could to relieve Ava from the burden a girl this young should never carry, but they were honestly afraid to meddle too much and ended up having something bad happening to our family so it constituted in inviting her to eat afternoon snacks and meals nearly every day and give her some clothes, since Ava was always poorly dressed. Being sheltered from the violence happening right next door, my childhood was pretty normal, even happy. My father worked an office job, my mother worked from home, and my sister Carly would keep an eye on me. She was twelve at the time and would let me and Ava play in the woods behind our houses, as long as there was daylight. It was 1998 in a small town, and life was simple. We loved to play with my Barbies. Poor Ava didn't have any. But we also loved to explore the forest and dig the ground. We would usually find bird bones and pennies buried shallowly. It was an unusually warm November afternoon, right after Ava's seventh birthday. My family bought her a small cake the day before, now I can't help but think it was our fault. She had a swollen, purplish face that day. Ava, are you okay? What happened? I worried to see her like that. I just fell from the stairs, she said. Her mouth was so severely beaten up she couldn't even pronounce some phonemes, but I believed her and accepted the answer. Soon, turning my attention to something else. I'm so sorry, Ava. We decided to use the warm data bird watch, which I was very into in the last few weeks, since my parents gave me some binoculars. For that reason, we entered the forest a little deeper than usual. We found a beautiful nest of junco full of chicks. I was focused on the birds when Ava had a distant, intrigued look on her face. Are you listening? <sighs> What a beautiful song. Ava was marveling at something, but I couldn't hear it, so I kind of ignored it. After a few minutes, she started walking deeper into the woods, presumably trying to find the source of the beautiful song. I still heard nothing but our footsteps crunching leaves on the ground and distant chirping. I followed Ava without thinking. We walked for a few moments when we stopped by a huge domestic old tree. The sunlight glowed in a different way there. I couldn't quite understand, but it was like the air was sprinkled with glitter. It was peaceful. Ava was looking up to the tree leaves, awestruck. Then she frantically waved her hand like she met someone she knew. I looked up, too, and saw a woman. Well, it certainly was a female, But she had a real small frame, and her skin was a lilac glow. Her long hair seemed to be made of waterfall, and the fabric of her dress was like the wind, if the wind was slightly golden. She descended from the tree and reached the ground with the softest landing. Her voice was pure sweetness, and echoed through my head. I'm sorry I took this long to answer your prayers, Ava. The song... "'I've been hearing at night. Was that you?' "'Ava gingerly asked. "'Yes, my child.' "'She then looked at me. "'You, please leave. It's not your time.' "'I was hypnotized, even a bit afraid, but I complied. "'The way she talked was nothing but gentle, "'but her figure held an impressive sense of authority. "'I left, and as I looked behind... Ava started to glow like her. Her hair started to seem like waterfall as well, and her worn-up clothes slowly turned to gold and air. When I got home, I went to my room and rehearsed what I would answer when people noticed Ava was gone. I was only seven and couldn't understand a lot of basic concepts, but I had in me both the knowledge that Ava would never return and that people wouldn't believe what I saw. That night, her father aggressively knocked on our door and demanded to know where she was. When inquired, I vaguely answered that I played with her by the woods until mid afternoon, but haven't seen her since. My father was the one who called the cops. They said there would be a formal search if Avo was still missing after 72 hours. During the investigation, they suspected her father had murdered her and buried her body in the woods. Her mother was found severely beaten up at home, and he was arrested. Police also found out he had killed his previous wife, so I was more than pacific with my decision of keeping quiet about what really happened. After all, I wasn't letting an innocent man suffer. I eventually made new friends and even forgot about Ava for a while. I just remembered this story now at age 27 because I'm back to my family home. In the last year, I broke up with an abusive partner, lost my job, and was diagnosed with a brain tumor. Defeated, I decided to move back and have my parents take care of me. I still don't know if it's possible to undergo surgery. Maybe I'll die within a year. At night, I pray things will get better. And lately, I can hear a beautiful, ethereal song, no human voice... ...or instrument can ever make. I think Ava is inviting me. Thanks for joining me tonight for Scary Stories Told in the Dark. If you like what you heard and would like to hear a premium extended edition of tonight's episode which includes two more terrifying tales, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click the Patrons link in the menu at the top of the screen. You'll find yourself on Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, where you can sign up for a season pass and get access to all 24 ad-free extended episodes from this season, or sign up as a patron for just $5 per month and get access to not just my show, Bought our network's audio archive of hundreds of previous releases, including premium versions of our other shows. Not only that, but you'll be lending your support to this very program and help me continue bringing nightmares to life each and every week. Until next week, stay spooky and get some sleep if you can. <laughs> Thanks for listening. But that's alright, who needs sleep anyway?